to talk about how God puts our name on a mission. When I was 16, I wanted to be on mission. I wanted my life to count. When I was 26, I wanted my life to matter, just like you. I'm 56. I'm in the second half. And I stand here today with that same passion. I want my life to matter. I want God to continue to put my name on a mission. I want to be all that God needs me to be right now and right here. Not one of you are in this room by accident. Regardless of age, story, backstory, God wants to put your name on a mission. I want to go into the life of Moses and learn about how God does this and how we can move from this service and walk in step with God in the mission that he has for us by looking at how he interacted with Moses. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that Moses had, Moses had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Moses... Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Let's pause there for just a moment and understand that the context is this. Moses, as a baby, was drawn out of the Nile by Pharaoh's daughter. It was actually Pharaoh's daughter that named him Moses. The very name Moses means to be drawn out. In that first season of his life, it's often parallel to ours, that those opening years from childhood to teenage years to being a young adult, we understand that we're drawn out. There's not a person here by accident. You are alive because God has set you apart for a purpose. Just as Moses was drawn out for purpose, you and I are drawn out for God to put our name on a mission. It's in those years that we're on that discovery of skill set, of education. But then at the end of that first season, Moses commits a, a very specific sin, the sin of murder. That moves him into the second season of his life. That forces his, him onto the backside of this desert where we find him in Exodus chapter 3. And I want you to see something very important about the nature and the character of God. God found him. God showed up where he was. God was not unaware of where Moses was. And when God showed up, knowing his sin, yet God called him by his name. Satan knows your name. 
but will only call you by your sin. Moses had committed murder. That's the reason he's been in this desert for many years. But when God shows up, he still calls him as the one who's been drawn out, as the one who has been assigned for purpose. I want to right from the start give God praise that his grace is greater than our past, that his mercy has no limit, that he is the realigning, recalling, powerful God. Actually, the burning bush is a recalling. And nothing would please me more than from the fire of God's presence, this very service, that God would issue a recall to somebody. You messed up. Okay, we own it. We call it for what it is. But God has the grace to forgive you and still make your life one of purpose and eternal significance. Come on and praise him that his grace is that good, that his mercy is that powerful. Then we go down to Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. The Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. First part, God says, I'm coming down to rescue them. That was the mission of God. But then he transitions and says, Moses, I'm choosing to put your name on this mission. You go and you lead them out. The heart of God, if, if today God puts your name on a mission in prayer, you will begin to pick up the burden of God. It is God's will that none would perish. It is God's plan that the people in your world would come to know him. And God will let you know that he's putting your name on a mission when you're drawn to what he's passionate about. And when God's heart becomes our passion, we realize he's putting our name on a mission. In this passage, the mission starts with God. The mission is for God. That's important. The idea, the mission doesn't start with me. It starts with God. The call comes to me from God because it's the mission of God. And it's for God. But in his awesome plan, he would be so good to use somebody like me. To use somebody like Moses. Someone who's not perfect. Someone who's messed it up. But in his grace, in God's goodness, he has this realigning power 
redemptive power to put us back on mission. That's outstanding. That's amazing. The mission starts with God. It's for God, but he puts our name on it. And now notice verse 11. So Moses said to God, but who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? That is so the usual question. We will often say, who am I? And we go into this insecurity storm of looking at our credibility and our capability. And we end up saying, but who am I? Notice God's answer. Verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So Moses is asking the wrong question. Moses, it's not about who you are. It's about who I am. Moses, you should be asking about who I am because I am the one that brings credibility to this mission. It is my capability that is going to cause the exodus to happen. This is God saying, Moses, you're just like the person, the vessel, the one I'm using for this mission. But I'm the God of deliverance. I'm the God of salvation. I'm the God of freedom. Here's what's awesome. I say this to every one of us. When we go on mission, it's not about our capability. It's about his capability. That's very liberating to me. Because on my best day, on Moses' best day, it's not going to soften Pharaoh's heart. It is not about who we are. It's about who he is, and he is able. Praise him if you know he's able. Now, we just continue in chapter 4. Moses answered, well, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? And I'm going to answer that question in just a moment, but let me add to it. Verse 10, Moses went on to say, well, but pardon your servant, Lord, I, I've never been eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. So Moses says, what if they don't believe me? And I'm not a really eloquent communicator. So how's this going to happen? To that first question, God says, Moses, what's that in your hand? And he had the shepherd's staff because he had been leading sheep. He said, throw it down. He did. It turns into a snake. Now, here's what's interesting. While it's still alive, God says, pick it up. That's the part of the story where I'm good if God says, kill it. I'll just tell you, I come from the place where if it's a snake, it should die. There are these people that say, oh, but we need those snakes because they do. If it's a snake, if that offends you, send email to kelly at theassembly.org. He picks it up, and when he picks it up, it turns back into a staff. God says, take your hand, put it in your cloak. 
He pulls it out, and it's leprous. He says, now put it back. When he takes it out, it's made whole. He says, take this pitcher, put it in the Nile. He draws out water. He says, now pour it out. It goes from water to blood. To the question of, Lord, I'm not eloquent, God says, who made your mouth? In this interaction, often the kind of insecurity storm we go into when we realize God puts our, is putting our name on a mission, we, we, we are all about our capability or the lack thereof. Who am I up against this mission? And yet God is saying, Moses... Don't you understand? Do you think your eloquence is going to soften the heart of Pharaoh? When you come to the Red Sea and you're leading the Exodus and Pharaoh releases his army to go and recapture the Israelites, do you think it's going to be your capability that's going to somehow block them from getting to you? while the Red Sea is being dealt with? And when you read that story of Pharaoh's army going to apprehend them, to take them back, the army behind them, the Red Sea in front of them, you read of a cloud by day and fire by night. And during that, the cloud moved from leading the Israelites, it moved to between the Israelites and Pharaoh's army. The Spirit of God moved between the enemy and the Israelites while simultaneously the Spirit of God was rolling the sea back on the left and on the right. So when Moses is experiencing his hand becoming leprous and then healed, the staff becoming a snake and then back to his staff, it is God saying, Moses, it's not your capability. It's mine. And this mission is not by might. It's not by power. But it is by my spirit. Hey, Moses, I'm not only going to lead them out of Egypt. I'm ultimately going to take Egypt out of them. Hey, Moses, I'm not only going to confront Pharaoh. But the enemy you see today, you will see no more forever. Hey, Moses. I'm going to roll back the Red Sea, and you're going to walk across on dry ground. And the opening that I make for your deliverance is going to be the very thing I'm going to use to then consume the enemy that's been pursuing you. Hey, Moses, I don't need your eloquence. I don't need your skill set. I don't even need your education. Now, now hear me. Education is important being responsible to develop our giftings and, and understanding your skill set and getting the right people to speak into your life. All of that is very significant. I am not in any way trying to dilute taking responsibility for the life, the gifting, the time, the resources that God has given you. I just want us to know that on our best day, we're no match for the real mission that God has given us. Let, can, I, can we do real talk today? We say this in church. If God gives you a dream, it's going to be bigger than you. 
Have you, have you heard that? There's a, and then, then we say this, if it's not bigger than you, then it's not God. So now play that out. If the mission is bigger than me, and that is one way to know it's, it's a God dream and not just my dream, then I must have the power of God or the mission will never be fulfilled. So what I'm saying is in a culture where there's so much of being self-made, self-help, and what we can do, I want to come with a prayer over you today that comes from the life of Jabez, where Jabez says, God, would you bless me indeed? Blessing there is the word prosperity. It has nothing to do with money. The word blessing there is this. God, if I work hard and I've got the right people in my life and I move from here to here, that's as far as I can go in my own strength. But if you bless me, if you bless me indeed, that's the exclamation mark. The word blessing there means God pushing us forward into a zone we will never get to in our own ability. That's where I want to live. That's where I want to do mission. And so when I get there, I move to a self that is greater than myself. When I get there, I experience what no eye has seen or ear has heard. That's where I'm walking into the abundantly above all that I could even ask or imagine. What is your biggest dream? How far does it go? Wherever it stops, that's where I'm saying the power and the mission of God pushes you beyond. And we are talking to the God of power. Let me, let me just give you an illustration here. When, when I came to Virginia... We had just had this professional PGA tournament in the community, the city of Tulsa. And it, like, took over the city for about a week. And it made me think of the golfer Arnold Palmer. He was historically one of the great golfers of all time. He was invited by a Saudi prince. The Saudi prince said, hey, come over, spend a few days with me, and... I want to spend time with you. I want you to give me some golf lessons. So he did. He flew him over on his private jet, kept him in the palace. He gave him golf lessons. And upon his exit, the king said, look, I want to give you a gift for coming over. He said, no, it's been gift enough just to be with you. He said, no, it would offend me if you don't let me give you a gift. He said, well, I collect golf clubs. He said, that's all I needed to know. Flew him back home. Two weeks later... Arnold Palmer gets this envelope, special delivery, opens it up, and it's a deed to a golf club, an 18-hole golf club with a restaurant, clubhouse, and swimming pool. And Arnold Palmer goes, wait a minute, now I get it. He goes, when I said golf club, I'm thinking putter. I'm thinking like awesome putter, uh, maybe dipped in gold. But he said, when you say golf club to a king, he thinks 18 holes. 
What am I saying? Moses is going, who am I? God's going, wrong question. You're talking to a king. And I am going to soften Pharaoh's heart. I'm going to bring my people out. I'm going to open the Red Sea. I'm going to close it on Pharaoh. I'm taking you to a land of milk and honey. That means basics and blessings. You're going to be in houses you didn't build. You're going to be eating from crops you didn't even plant. You're going to take to everywhere you place your foot. I'm going to give it to you, not because of who you are, but because of who I am. He is the king. He gives us the dream. He's the power for the, come on, give him praise. He's the power for the dream to happen. He can make it happen. How is it going to happen? I don't know, but he knows, and he'll make a way. The very character and nature of God is to make a way where there's not a way. I can promise you that the reason I'm standing in front of you today is because of the blessing of God pushing me forward. I'm not capable to do what I do. I'm not equal to the task. It is the blessing. It is the favor. It is the power. It is the goodness of Almighty God. When I went to college, because I didn't take a lot of responsibility when I was in high school, I just kind of just got through, and I don't recommend that. Matter of fact, I think that's wrong. Uh, I should have been more focused, and so when I when I entered university, uh, I entered with a lot of challenges to keep pace, and had to figure out what it meant to study and learn study skills, how to write papers, um, and so I knew I was called by God. And let me just ask the worship team to come back because we're going to move into just taking action with this message. I knew that God had placed a call in my heart, and out of his fiery presence, I was called to preach the gospel. But like Moses, I had entered an insecurity storm. I'm like, God, I'm not sharp enough, funny enough, smart enough, tall enough. And I'm trying to hold what I got right now. It's not going so well. And so all of those questions, like, who am I? Who am I? Yet my favorite people were preachers. To all the students in the room, before phones that held all of our pictures, we carried what's called a wallet. And it had this place for photos. And I carried around pictures of my three favorite preachers. All I ever wanted to do was preach the gospel. I knew from age 13 I was called to the ministry. Yet there at the university that I attended, it was a Christian university, and these great people would come through and preach, and I'd be like, that is what I know I'm called to do. And the next thought would be, but I can't do that. I'm not sharp enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not charismatic enough. I'm not, who am I? Who am I? I felt like the rug was pulled out from under me, and the Lord said, it is. And unless you get up with your eyes on me and off yourself, then you can't fulfill this mission. Because Ron Woods, on your best day, on your best day, you won't be equal to the mission. It will always take my grace. It will always take my power. It will always take who I am, empowering you. So unless you get your eyes on me, 
Insecurity is a big deal. And I just want to tell you how it worked for me. And I, I, I think it's how it worked here in Exodus 3. The Lord never indulged my questions. Like he, he never answered one of Moses' questions. He didn't indulge his ego. All God did was indulge his own sovereignty. When I would watch somebody preach and say, God, that's, that's what I'm called to do. And then I would be overcome with insecurity and all the reasons I could never do that. The Lord didn't coddle my thoughts of insecurity. He didn't come and say, oh, but, you know, you're getting an education and you, know, you aren't very tall, but you could be shorter. And, and like, wow, you, you have followers on Instagram. Wow, you're awesome. He never did that. What he did, he would remind me that he was God and that he had a mission and he was going to put my name on it. That's all he did. Put it into context. Moses had the best education. It, did, it didn't get any better. He then got 40 years in the desert of learning survival skill in the very desert where he would be leading millions of people and he would need all of that. The first season is called he was drawn out. The second season, he even had a son in that second season and the, the meaning of the son's name defined the season. It was Gershom, which means I don't belong here. Moses knew why he was there, but he knew he wasn't supposed to be there. He was there because of sin, but he knew he didn't belong there. He was drawn out. He was called. And in that third season, he has Eleazar, which means the Lord is my helper. You see the progression? Drawn out, but then we mess it up. And then we get into this redemptive grace of God that realigns and recalls and then we go but who am I and God doesn't coddle our ego he doesn't try to support our pride he says I've got a mission you step out I'll be with you if I try to coddle your questions and answer your questions you'll think it's you You'll think that you're a match for people that need deliverance, and you're not. Only I can deliver. I just need you to be faithful, and I'll be God. I need a David who will say, I know he's the champion of Gath. I know he's bigger and badder than everybody else, but this battle is not mine. This battle is the Lord's. And on this day, God's going to give the giant over into my hands and everybody will know that there is a God. He doesn't save by sword or by spear. He saves by the power of his name. Come on and clap your hands in victory, in faith, in praise to God. The Lord is my helper.
Let me ask everybody to just stand all across this place. How does it start? Go back to the beginning. Moses says, here I am. It's availability. How simple is that? Just be available. Out of the fire of God's presence that's in this room right now, he issues a call. For some, it's the original seminal call of God like I received when I was 13. For others, it's a recall. Will you be available today? Across this place, if you say, I want my name on a mission, will you just lift your hand as high as you can? Holy Spirit, over everybody who's responding right now, you're the same God today in this room as you were in that desert, in the flames of that bush that was not consumed because it was a holy fire. That bush was not providing fuel for that fire. You are fire all by yourself. You need no resource. You are the source. You're in this room today. And if people like Moses will just be available, you'll be God. If we'll be faithful, you'll do the work. Faithful is he who has called you, who also will do it. For he watches over the work he has called you to do, to see it through to completion. Be rooted and grounded in the love of God. Know the width, the power, the height, the depth of that love. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything you could ask or think. To him be glory. And that's by the power that is at work in you. The power that is at work in you. May the Holy Spirit strengthen you with might in the inner man. May he overcome insecurity, comparison, intimidation, inferiority with the character and nature of his holiness, his greatness, his ability, his credibility, his capability. Fix your eyes on him. Fix your eyes. Somebody needs to be delivered from comparison. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And now out of the fire of his presence, he calls you. Finally, if you have never accepted Jesus as your Savior, this is your sacred moment. You say, Ron, what are you talking about? I'm talking about where a man, a woman, realizes their desperation. We're desperate without him. You realize that your life is not working. Everything you've tried, you've, you've tried, but it's not working. To the person who's so tired of struggling, it's time to put your faith in his grace. It's time to acknowledge that he's God and that he's good and that he made a way for you to enter a relationship with him. And all you have to do is confess with your mouth because you believe in your heart that he is God, that he did die, he rose again, so that you could be saved, not just sins forgiven, but a life that moves forward in transformation and great significance, like eternal significance. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you'd say, Ron, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. 
would you just put your hand in the air right now, just quickly. One, two, three, four, five. You say, I want to be safe. Six, seven. I see your hand. Eight. Anybody else? I want to lead in a prayer. Would you, every believer in the room, repeat this after me? It'll be an encouragement to those that are praying today that are going to move from spiritual death to spiritual life. This is the greatest miracle this side of heaven that will ever happen, the miracle of salvation. So repeat this prayer. Lord, I open my heart to you. Jesus, I need you. I thank you for your love. Love so awesome that you would die on a cross for me. You would take my sin. You would be crucified. You would rise again so that I might be saved. I put my faith in your grace. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that you are God. You are the Savior. No one else. I repent of my sin and I ask you to become my Savior and my Lord. Lead me in this relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus, for all you are and what you've done in my life today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, let's let this place erupt in praise to God. Thank you, Jesus.